Hello and welcome to the Fabulous by Design podcast. I'm your host, Evie. I am excited you are listening today. This show inspires and empowers you to take the next step towards a life you can't stop thinking about. I am bringing in people from all over the world with authentic and inspiring stories. People who change their lives from good to better, from miserable to great, turned strategy into hope and became successful entrepreneurs and business owners, living their dream life on their own terms. Grab your favorite note-taking device, lean back and get inspired. I believe that everything you need to create the life of your dreams is already within you. I am excited meeting Carrie today. She is a stage director, branding coach for creatives and entrepreneurs and storytelling expert. And I can't wait to make a deep dive into Carrie's personal story and to learn more about her book, where she walks people through their narrative to reframe it. Hello, Carrie. Thank you for being here with me today. Nice meeting you. Could you please introduce yourself to our audience and tell us a little bit more about you? Sure. Thank you so much. It's so exciting to be here. Uh, my name is Carrie Cluen Lawrence. Yeah, as you said, I'm a, a stage director. That's what I've spent the majority of my last several decades doing. Um, but I also am a coach. And uh, that means that I help people with their personal branding and public speaking. And yeah, I've recently written a book called Origin Story, which is what you're talking about, you know, diving into the personal narrative and how we can help ourselves have clarity about future goals by looking at our life and our, our journey to see, you know, what maybe sparked us, where inspirations came from, and and how can we can reconnect with with some of those ideas and activities to to do something exciting in the future. I love this. I love this topic. I am personally very interested into identity work, and I'm happy to learn more today about it. It's also exciting for me, and especially in showing up authentically in our fast moving forward world, which is not always easy, right? A lot of people struggle with that being authentic, especially in the online world, but also when we are forced to run into a direction to follow society or people or who tell us what to do, right? And I would yeah. be curious, Carrie, what sparked you or what sparked the idea of your book and the coaching you are doing? Sure. Uh, that's a that's a great question because the subtitle of the book is Power of the Inciting Incident, which mm -hmm. is an inciting incident in theater is the moment that the action starts to happen. You know, the moment the boy meets the girl, the moment of a birth, the moment of an idea. And for me, that really happened when I rediscovered <laughs> a play that I wrote when I was 10 years old. My mom had given me a box of memorabilia that I really had no interest in and reluctantly opened and started to go through and found a play that I wrote when I was 10 years old called Little Red Riding Hood Says No to Smoking mm -hmm. and realized in that moment of holding that play in my hands that I have been the same person for at least 40 years and 
that all of my struggles with whether or not I was actually an artist or whether this was the right journey for me, the right career path, all of those puzzle pieces fell into place. And I felt this overwhelming sense of satisfaction and confidence and security and having this piece of evidence that had resurfaced in my hands. And yeah, so at the same time, I was teaching a a class of what I call personal discovery storytelling, helping other people to tell their stories about where they came from, where they are today, and where they're headed. And I put these ideas together with my experience as a storyteller in the theater world to be able to help people connect with their story, discover these pieces of evidence, and be able to turn it into something that they can use to connect with other people, create new businesses or products, and move forward with what they were intended to do and find their real purpose. Oh, it's a it's a great journey. It's really uh, it's a puzzle you put together there, and yeah. you just mentioned shortly. I would like to dive a little bit into that. You discovered that you've been the same person for forty years. Yeah. What is what is the discovery you have made, and what was wrong with that? Because apparently you were ready to change that, and you were you found out something that something needs to change. Could you elaborate a little bit on that? Sure, absolutely. So when I read that script and thought about the fact that, you know, it wasn't just a regular version of Little Red Riding Hood. It was a Little Red Riding Hood who saves herself from the big bad wolf who's, you know, trying to get her to smoke, right? So, you know, it's socially conscious. I've spent um, most of my career focusing in social justice and socially conscious works, I don't just want to make art, but I want to make art that changes the world and inspires people. And this was something that I had already been doing at such a young age. And yet along my path, I started being influenced. I lost my way and what I call, you know, detours, which are the obstacles in any great story, those challenges that we have to overcome, right? There's there's no great character without an antagonist, right? There's no main character without, without an antagonist. And, and one of mine was listening to society saying theater wasn't a real job. It wasn't mm-hmm. something that I could do for a living, be secure, be, you know, have that kind of job security. And being raised by a single mother, it, it really wasn't an option at all. And so I really lost my way, especially in college. And uh, it took me a long time to get back on that on that path. Yeah, it does take a little bit to realize because I, I believe that once we are on a path, no matter if it's the right or not, we don't feel it immediately. The, the signs don't show right away. It's not like, hello, you turned, you should have been turning left and you went right. But it just shows uh, along the way where we, as you say, lose our identity and discover something. It mostly feels like something's wrong with us, right? Yeah. Do you agree with that? I totally agree. And you start to feel like you have that uncomfortable feeling that something's wrong, but maybe Mm -hmm. you don't know what it is. And one of the chapters in my book, like I go through the the basic elements of, you know, a good story and a good origin story. And one of those elements is what I call rising action, right? That 
that tension that we feel of like, I'm doing this thing and maybe I'm really successful at it, but I'm still not happy. I'm still Mm -hmm. not satisfied. I still want something else. And then you start to feel guilty because so, you know, there's this saying that you can be extremely successful and totally miserable at the same time. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yes. So you can be, you can be making money. You can be successful in like standard measures of success. And yet there's still a voice inside that says, "Mm, maybe there's something else for you. Maybe, and, and we don't always know what that is because we've, I think we've listened to what other people think mm-hmm. that success means. Um, and so, you know, if that's a paycheck or if that's a title or if that's, you know, working in a certain industry, then we maybe have followed that and we feel like, oh, but I am successful. So there becomes this big conflict, internal conflict of like, mm-hmm. uh, what's wrong with me? Mm-hmm. Why don't I just be happy? Yeah. yeah, it's all I wanted. And now what now? Why I'm even getting yeah. up in the morning? Yeah, yeah. I can relate partly to that. I was forced into corporate because for my family, nobody was an entrepreneur and nobody understood ever my crazy, I put it on the brackets, right? Crazy ideas I wanted to do. Yeah. And as you say, in your case, that theater is not nothing you make money with. It's not a proper job how can you even consider? And then I guess, I don't know if you had that too, that comes the guilt towards your mother who was bringing you up doing probably meaning it the best. And then you will be standing there and saying like, no, not my path. And all the advices you got, right? That's what you should be doing. How have you been dealing with that back then? Well, you know, I think it takes um, some time to unpack and to really understand. One of the exercises uh, that I have in my book is is about measures of success and thinking about those categories in your life that are meaningful to you. And so our career is only one category, but a lot of times Mm -hmm. we think about being successful only in terms of being, you know, successful in a career. But what about your partnership, um, your family, your friendships, your self-care. Like what about all of these other categories that we need in order to balance our lives? And then the next step to that is considering where do these measures of success come from? Where do these ideas come from? Mm -hmm. And one of the examples that I use is that I'm a mother of three kids and a military spouse, we've moved around a lot. And so for a lot of people, a non-negotiable measure of success is that we're going to celebrate a birthday on the actual day of the birthday, right? That for a lot of people, if you miss a birthday, that is, you know, that is not (laughs) acceptable whatsoever. But in my world, that is not a measure of success that I ascribe to that I do not. Right. So I was giving a workshop last week and it happened to be the same day as my daughter's birthday. And everyone was so upset. It was her sixth birthday. And I said, but that's your measure of success. My measure of success is that I'm going getting to do something right now that makes me a better mother. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And where do these ideas come from? Like, where does not missing a birthday come from? Well, maybe it comes from another generation where somebody wasn't working. And so, you know, part of their job was to celebrate that birthday and make it, you know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. I think we 
need to consider the sources of some of our ideas and why we are holding ourselves to some of these standards, which might not be reasonable in the world that we're currently living in, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I have that. I don't mind celebrating my birthday. I mean, I've been celebrating my birthday, my gosh, uh, since five years, I haven't been celebrating my birthday at home. For example, yeah. I've been all over the place. It was not always my best friends with me, not my family. I always had to to see like how I do it. And at some points I, I didn't even celebrate or felt like not celebrating on a Wednesday because I wanted to have like a, you know, a real party and I moved it to Saturday or even two weeks later. So the day never mattered. Same thing I have with Christmas. I'm a Grinch. <laughs> so <laughs> I find it ridiculous for like to think we are, how are we blowing up Christmas in mm-hmm. terms of, you know, it's going to be these two days and these two days only where everybody right. needs to be happy, where the food we cook needs to turn out amazingly great. Everything mm-hmm. needs to be in place. Like we don't care the entire year how our table looks like, what conversations we have at the table, what right. if we are even consciously sharing dinner with each other or not. But those two days, you better yeah. don't mess up. And I, since a child, I was so against it. Like back then I didn't know what it was, but yeah. it's some, somehow it's always bothered me that I always have to show up in my best on the 25th of December. Right. And so that's maybe, yeah, it's not necessarily coming from you and the life that you're living. It's coming from your family or the culture that you were brought up in or your community or your society, your nation, whatever. And it's worth taking a moment to think, okay, why do I feel like this? Why do I Mm -hmm. feel guilty, you know, for rescheduling this event or for doing it in my own style. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that really applies to so much of our identity as well in that we have gotten to a place where we're following these seven steps to success or these 10 steps to success, right? Which don't have anything to do with the individual life that we are living and the world that we are living, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I don't know about you, but I, when I went to college, never in my wildest dreams did I imagine that I would be having interviews with people over the internet, podcasting from, you know, wherever in the world you are in Thailand, right? And I'm in mm-hmm. California. Like the the world is different. We cannot predict what the world is going to look like in 5, 10, 15 years, right? Absolutely. But we, what we can do is be true to who we are and follow those instincts and intuitions and see where they lead us. Oh my God, this is beautiful, Carrie. Wow, because you are right. The world is changing faster than ever at the moment, I have the feeling, and it tracks us with these waves, right? And I think uh, the best way to enjoy it as well and to find a place in this world is to stay true to ourselves, to be... But for that, you need to know who you are. Like, you know, it's... Right. There is a little right. bit of work that needs to be done to find out who am I and how yeah. I want to show up, what impact do I want to make in this world, especially as uh, coaches, teachers, educators in this world. Yeah. 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 Because, you know, for a long period of time, I was trying to be who I thought the world needed in the mm-hmm. future. Right. Who are we to say what's going to happen in the future? Right. Yeah. And so, you know, for example, I often use the um, my job, one of my current jobs 
is as a theater professor for a bakery. Hmm. <laughs> right? Right? <laughs> what the heck? What? How do those two right? So a Jesuit priest, a disabled Jesuit priest who uh, had started a theater school, decided to start a fellowship for military veterans, spouses, and caregivers. And he used the bakery as a small business model. And he taught basically, you know, storytelling, uh, acting kind of classes to be able to tell your story as part of that entrepreneurial journey to Mm -hmm. really understand yourself, understand your identity. And yeah, so who would have thought that I would be a theater professor at a bakery teaching, you know, long distance. This is a a fellowship that I started teaching out um, in Georgetown, and then they started a program in Chicago. Right? Mm-hmm. This is the this is the world that we are living in. But when I look back and think, I was told that I would never make a living doing this. Oh, right. Yeah. So, but I have followed my instincts and I have followed my intuition, despite really trying to listen to society. <laughs> right. Trying to follow, I have an undergraduate degree in public relations. I worked for a corporate uh, chemical corporation at one point. You know, I tried. I really, really tried. And then eventually I, I gave up and I realized I wasn't going to be able to do it the way that I was being taught was the mm-hmm. right way. Mm-hmm. wasn't going to work for me. Yeah, I get that. I get that. And if we now speak of all those frames we are put in into this box that society wants to have us in, whether it's for safety, for success, whatever that means at that point. How okay is it to break with those standards in terms well, of, right? How is it okay, in your opinion, to not to celebrate Christmas, a birthday, to do something maybe risky, extraordinary? Is that yeah. okay? Yeah. So I am a bit of a scientist and what I have discovered. And one of the reasons that I wrote origin story is that it teaches you how to gather the evidence of your life, right? Mm -hmm. So that you can, you can look through memorabilia. And, you know, when I say when you were younger, it doesn't have to be childhood. It could be college. It could be even after that, um, when you started to, to take a class in photography, for example, or something like that, right? And that you look at the evidence, you look at your resume, you try to see it with new eyes and see what the evidence is telling you. And, you know, for a long time, I tried to deny the fact that I was a director. And when I looked at my resume, I had directed a dozen shows, you know, very early on in my career. And I was mm-hmm. like, how can I how can I pretend that this evidence is not staring me in the face, right? So I think when you have that evidence and when you've done the work, you've done the research, you've asked your friends, you've thought about how you want people to respond to you. I use things like, you know, adjectives that you want to describe yourself or the values that you believe in so strongly that you would leave a job for, um, Mm -hmm. you know, if lines were crossed, those kinds of things. And when you look at that full picture, I don't think you're going to have a choice. I think you're going to say, look, the evidence is so clear. I'm going to have to move in this direction, Mm -hmm. you know, and pivot or evolve or however you want to, to frame that in order to seek 
whatever purpose, you know, is calling you. Yes. Yes. So it's quite okay to move into the direction where you're meant to be going, right? It's Yeah, but mm-hmm. it's not easy. It's mm. not easy. It's not. It's absolutely not. I think it's I think once you've made the first step, things start evolving, right? And you will grow into the person yeah. you are meant to be. But I think the crucial point is making that step. No matter how big or small, no matter how it doesn't always need to be risky, right? People always associate um changes with big risks. Yeah. It can be just something exciting and only exciting, right? <laughs> well, more. and I, for me, that very first step is your origin story. Mm-hmm. It's understanding that spark, that excitement from your life. It's me telling people that I wrote that play when I was 10 years old because it justifies all of the struggle that I had for 40 years as I was working things out in my life. And as I've come to this place of continuing to be a storyteller, Mm. you know, it's not, it's not a, it's not a huge change in my life, but it is starting to communicate that with people uh, in a way that I consider it can affect your daily algorithm. So like, you know, how we can, affect our algorithm on social media. I believe you can do that in person. I believe when you start telling people your story and when you start talking to them about the specifics and the exciting little details of your life, Mm -hmm. that all of a sudden somebody is going to say to you, oh my gosh, you're interested in uh, this kind of sculpture? Well, I have a friend who actually, you know, is interested in buying that kind of sculpture, right? Like if you don't say it out loud, then you are missing opportunities to connect and Mm -hmm. to create that community around you of support. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. I have made this experience many, many times where we might even think like, why am I even telling this story? It's very unique to me. It's not even that special, maybe, you know, it's not like, I don't know, not a big thing not a big deal but then you tell the story and then somebody says below oh my god are we twins i feel the same yeah right and who would have thought and this was just somebody on the other side of the world doing something completely different than i do and this is how meaningful connections involve like this is how we connect meaningfully and um on an in a space of um common interest and good intentions. Yeah, I I made the example uh, once recently of, you know, say you're working in a corporate environment, and, you know, we're very much taught to keep our professional and our personal lives separate, you know, Mm -hmm. people might not even know you have kids, they might not know you have pets. And I think it's changing a little bit. But say you, you know, you're in the cafeteria or the lunchroom or whatever, and you say, hey, did you ever play an instrument when you were younger you know for me it was playing the bassoon Mm -hmm. now who would think who would think that I would play the bassoon you know it's not a very typical instrument but all of a sudden you're having a conversation and say it's something that I'm interested in relearning or or you know reconnecting with all of a sudden maybe you have a group of people who get together once a week after work to you know explore that option or something but it can add some balance and enrich your life. But if you don't share these personal details or if you don't share these 
you know, things that you're comfortable with, obviously. Mm -hmm. But if I think I want to bring more of this into my life, well, obviously I have to tell people about it. It's not going to just magically happen if I don't if I don't share it, right? Absolutely. No one's going to come and look in your head. Luckily not, because sometimes, yeah. you know, there's a mess going on. <laughs> so people might might even look at it um, from a wrong perspective. So we need to speak our truth and our, tell our stories out there in order to attract the people we want to work with, live with, share with, uh, interact with. Yeah. Yeah. And so you had an even more specific goal for the future, you know, whether it's a, you know, a, a business as an entrepreneur, or, you know, you're just kind of kicking around an idea. If you start telling people, then you just never know who's going to have the money, the resources, the opportunity, the land that you might need in order to take that next step forward, right? Absolutely. I, this was one of my biggest mistakes in my first business in my 20s. I kept yeah. it to myself and yeah. nothing ever grow there. Not really. <laughs> right. I agree. Carrie, I have two more questions sure. for you. One question is you mentioned earlier um, getting bad advices. Mm. What was the baddest advice you ever got? Wow. Um, so I don't know whether it was advice that uh, someone gave to me or advice that I gave myself, but I went to, a, I ended up going to a college that didn't have a theater program and, you know, it didn't have a major or a minor. There were some clubs, there were some extracurriculars, you know, but I think I had absorbed the, the idea that this was not something of value and it wasn't something worthy of pursuing. Mm -hmm. And the funny thing is, is that I believe that even bad advice and detours, they help you on your journey because you're still learning. You're still, you're still realizing even in the mistakes that you make, there's a lot of room and opportunity for growth, right? So as much as I say, oh, this was really bad advice and I would never give it to somebody else, right? <laughs> Get a real job. Like, what does that even mean? I think that we can do better, but I don't actually have regrets because if I hadn't, if I hadn't made the choices that I did along the way, then I wouldn't be where I am today. Mm -hmm. So our journey shapes us no matter what yeah. detour we took. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. And my most and favorite question to round this conversation up, Carrie, what do people misunderstand the most about you? Oh, boy. Um, I think that people misunderstand storytelling, um, mm -hmm. and, you know, being, being a storyteller. In fact, I didn't call myself a storyteller for a long time because it doesn't seem to have practical application in our world. And I think for me, just that connection with the arts and business and science and creativity, I think that that is something that I really struggled with helping people to see that connection and, and, and why it's so valuable. But I think I have felt misunderstood in the fact that I am what I call a serial entrepreneur, very, very business-minded. And because I call myself an artist, one does not exclude the other. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, this is, this is misleading and can be misunderstood or not understood at all. I get that. I am yeah. recently I joined a community where um, 
and women as well is connecting business and arts and it's just so interesting what comes out of there and how people look at it They're like what is this even how is this even possible right not thinking that an artist no matter what art they do that they are entrepreneurs yeah Right. And this is sometimes because artist is also not a real job, of course. Right. 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 <laughs> in many, many minds. So how yeah. can you even make business or a living with that? Right. Impossible. Thank you for sharing, Carrie. And where you can find your book? Sure. Um, Origin Story is available on Amazon mm-hmm. and the paperback is coming out any moment. And uh, but it's already available on, on ebook and I can be found on all of the social media channels at Carrie Cluen and uh, my website as well. Awesome. I will put that in the show notes so people have an easy way just to go there and click on that book, click on their favorite platform to connect with you. And with that said, thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you for giving these lovely insights of your personal life. I appreciate that. And yeah, so I'm wishing you a wonderful evening. Thank, thank you, you so for much. being here. Thanks for the opportunity.